0: <laughs> you about ready?
1: Rock and roll. Are right, you guys are good? You can set your timer. Ready. Yes, indeed. Oh, Here you go. Thank you, Neil. <coughs> How do you
0: spell it? Again? How do you pronounce your last
1: name? ik Tara. Ponik.
0: Okay. I wasn't sure. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Money Wise Radio Show brought to you by USA Wealth Group, with the money guys, Ray and Peter Lance, smiling and welcoming everyone on this Sunday morning.
2: And a special hello to you, Phil, and a special hello to Peter, who's not with us again today, but it's not because of illness. Peter has been uh, traveling for about a week on business, so he's not available today, but he'll be back next week to join us. Awesome. And in a few moments, we're going to introduce a very special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a A wonderful topic today, it's called Social Security Disability, and we're going to talk about SSDI and also SSI, and I think this will interest many, many people listening today. Yes. And we're going to jump right in because we've got a huge amount of material to cover today, but first I have to give you a quotation from one of my favorite individuals, Benjamin Franklin. Hmm. Did you know that he wrote, honesty is the best policy? I didn't know that was his. I I keep saying all these wonderful expressions that Ben Franklin has, like a penny saved is a penny earned. And so many of them came from Ben Franklin. But I have to ask you um, also a question about one of our famous uh, Greek uh, philosophers, if I can put my fingers on it again. (laughs) Um, You know what, Phil? I'm going to actually skip that uh, for the moment. I'm going to give you one more from Ben Franklin that I had flagged for today also. Take time for all things. Great haste makes great waste. Well, again, I didn't know that was his. Haste makes waste. Yeah. How many times have you heard that expression before? And I just have to put my finger on this one quotation that I had uh, from a famous Greek philosopher because that's really what we're all about. And um, I want to tell you a couple of quick things about men and uh, ladies and gentlemen in general. Um Groucho Marx said something, man does not control his own fate, the women in his life do that for him.
0: <laughs> he
2: was a man of reality. <laughs> can, can you relate to that at all, Phil? Uh, you bet
0: your life. <laughs> I, I think I can relate
2: to that one. So I'm going to come back in a couple minutes to our uh, famous uh, Greek quotation. But I'd like to begin by introducing our very special guest today, somebody I've um, spoken to a number of times about being on the show, and I'm very excited that he's here today. A gentleman, an attorney in New Bedford, Massachusetts, who I have probably known for 20 or 25 years. I guess it will date us both, won't it, Dan? Yes, sir. And we're here with us uh, this morning is attorney Dan Denardis from the law firm of Terra and Denardis. They're located at Ten Park Place in New Bedford which is right next to the Registry of Deeds. It's a little side street that runs up beside the Registry of Deeds in downtown no, well. Bedford. Mm-hmm. And Dan is not able to say this for himself, but I'm gonna say it for him. Dan is truly an expert on the topic of social security disability. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna go into that topic in some detail. And welcome, Dan. Thank you for being here with us this morning.
1: Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. And good morning to the listeners out there. Thank you for having me.
2: I'd like to give you a little bit of background, Phil, and ladies and gentlemen, about uh, Dan. Dan is a graduate from a college in Pennsylvania. has an interesting name. I've always admired this name. I've heard of it before. Uh, Slippery Rock College oh, yes. in Pennsylvania. Yeah. But it's a very famous uh, college, actually. What was your major in college, Dan?
1: Uh, history with a minor in business.
2: Okay, good. And you live in Fairhaven, correct? Yes, I do. And then I know you went to Vermont Law School. You're licensed to practice in... Massachusetts, and Pennsylvania. And you also represent clients before something very interesting called the Office of Disability and Review. And is that primarily for a Social Security
1: disability? Yes. it's uh, The short term is ODAR. And that's where uh, I go either to uh, Boston, Providence, or sometimes even local offices like in New Bedford and represent people. They, they're called claimants who are trying to get Social Security Disability Insurance Benefits or something else, as you mentioned, SSI or Supplemental Security Insurance Benefits.
2: Okay. And you also go into the Federal District Court for uh, Security Disability Appeals.
1: Yes, we've taken uh, many cases up to uh, an interim administrative level called the Appeals Council. And then we've also taken cases into Federal District Court where we've been kind of successful on that, too.
2: And how long have you been doing Social Security Disability Appeals?
1: I want to say 17 to 20 years, if not more than that. As you know, with, when we start practicing, the years start running together when you're having so much fun.
2: Yes, they do. And you do things other than Social Security Disability as well. I know that you do uh, personal injury cases. Yes. And what are some of the other kinds of things that you do as an attorney?
1: Well, we do the, the personal injury, the auto accident, um, and other types of things. Uh, injury cases, I do some real estate work, I've done some liquor licensing, um, I, the firm also does a lot of family law issues from divorce, uh, dying, and um, other issues w- in regards to adoptions and, and other things, and anything in the family court area.
2: And you practice law with your wife, yes, attorney Ann Ponectera, and I know Ann does a lot of family law work, is that That's basically correct? correct? Okay. Yes. And Phil, something interesting about Dan that I discovered in the mm-hmm. process of uh, you know doing some research uh, on his background and so forth. Dan has been very active in the Salvation Army. In mm-hmm. fact, he's on the Salvation Army Advisory Board, mm-hmm. and for a while he was actually co-chairman of the board. And uh, but you also have something else special there. You're an officer, aren't you?
1: Yes, um, I'm very proud of that. Uh, given my interest in the loyalty. Of what um, it's about. And I am very proud of that and the uh, stripe that they bestowed on me, I'm very thankful for.
2: It's an honor. It is an honor. You know, we've talked actually about the Social Security uh, uh, problems in the past and Social Security disability, but I've also talked about nonprofits and uh, charitable organizations. And one organization that I've always really admired is the Salvation Army. Here, too. Of all the money that they raise, of all the major charities in this country, they have the lowest percentage of any major charity in the country that's that's used for salaries and administrative costs. I think it's only like 4%. And so that means when you're coming up on uh, Salvation Army appeals and you see the buckets outside the stores uh, this fall and this Mm -hmm. winter, give generously because 96 cents on the dollar of the money that you put in those buckets goes directly to helping people. It's really a remarkable track record.
0: And, Ray, they're there every day of the year, not just when uh, tragedies occur or, uh, you know, Christmas time. Every single day of the year there is a need for the Salvation Army.
1: What they also say, if I may interject something, is that need has no season.
0: (laughs) That's
2: great. That's a good quote. Yep,
0: that is so true.
2: And, Dan, I don't know if you know it or not, but I've been fairly active uh, for the last 20 years myself in uh, the Masonic fraternity. And the Masons uh, raise money every single year for the Salvation mm-hmm. Army. We get out there, yep. and we cover all the local stores, the, the supermarkets, the Walmarts, and so forth. And we man them. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter how cold it is, we're out there manning mm-hmm. the bells and the buckets. And uh, I had a funny experience, I'll relate to you. Um, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he was like the head officer for the local... Um, Salvation Army office, and we had been told, make sure you check the credentials of somebody if they come by and want to pick up the bucket, because there have been instances in the past when somebody has fraudulently come and taken a bucket away. So this gentleman came up. Uh, He wasn't in uniform, he was driving a Salvation Army vehicle, and he was the colonel or the captain or whatever his title was. And I had seen him once before, and he came up and he was going to exchange an empty bucket for a full bucket. And I made him produce his license and introduce himself, (laughs) and he did. So, Dan, uh, first of all, before we begin this very important topic of Social Security Disability, um, how does somebody reach you by telephone if they'd like to know more about Social Security Disability or their case?
1: My phone number is 508-991-3355.
2: And, again, you're located at number 10?
1: Yeah, Ten Park Place in downtown New Bedford, across the street from the Registry of Deeds. A lot of people know that is the the side street going up to where um, Local Credit Union is sure. over there.
2: Yep. And Phil, I'd like to remind folks too, especially Phil is not—I mean, uh, Peter's not here today—that um, this program is being sponsored by you know, USA Wealth Group every single week and we're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. You can reach either Peter or myself at 508-998-8858. And we have two things that we wanna do. One, we wanna show people how to protect their family, and two, we wanna show people how to protect their money. Those are our two strong goals. So Dan, without further ado, let's jump in and talk about Social Security Disability. You know, I was really surprised to learn that there are about 8 million people in this country uh, who are receiving Social Security Disability benefits. And let's talk about who's eligible. Um, Do you have to have done some work before you can qualify for Social Security Disability?
1: Yes, but there are two different types of programs that were mentioned earlier. One is the Social Security Disability Insurance Benefits, and the other is the SSI. A lot of times people... Who aren't familiar with that just lump everything together. Um, I like to say that the disability insurance program is for people who put into the system, as you say, by working. Okay. And through part of your tax dollars, you build up an insurance fund. And then, if and when you need it, you are eligible for benefits based upon what you put into the system. Supplemental security income is exactly that a supplement to the Insurance Benefits Program, so you can have SSI benefits if you're eligible for them based upon finances as well as Mm health-wise, if I could say it that way. Um, So if you haven't worked at all and you don't have many assets, then you're eligible for SSI. And that's an easy way of saying it this way but okay if you, that's a good if you worked hard way to distinguish and you, you you paid into the system then you're eligible for disability insurance benefits now sometimes if you've worked a little bit but not enough and you don't have much then in order to be fair given the Equal Protection Clause of the United States what they're looking at is trying to balance things out so you may be eligible to have a little bit of disability insurance as well as a little bit of SSI benefits if you're eligible for that. So that way then everybody's on at least at the beginning of an even kill. Okay. The regulations, as since both of us uh, are familiar with the law and and other things, the regulations for Social Security, when you look at the book, could be, you know, one and a half to two inches thick of small print. So it gets kind of complicated. So a lot of times, if you if you have a question, there are sources. Certainly, the local office in New Bedford, since we're talking in this area, of that or any other office uh, is is helpful. You can go there, uh, wait in line. You can go online, or there's a, an 800 phone number that you could call as well. So there are resources available for people to help. The one thing you have to also understand is that when you are applying for the Social Security disability benefits of the SSI, you have to wait because if it's too easy to get on, then unfortunately there's going to be a whole lot of people wanting to get on to try to take advantage of a system that was supposed to be there for the needy.
2: Okay, so in most cases, for example, to get Social Security disability insurance benefits Yes. You have to have worked and paid into the Social Security system. That's correct. But for SSI, you don't necessarily have to have worked to qualify for those benefits. You just have to have the need.
1: That's right. You have to have be be financially eligible.
2: Okay. So financial eligibility and very few needs. That's a good distinction. You know, it reminds me a little bit about the differences between Medicare and Medicaid. People mix them up all the time. And unless you're working in the area, and such as Dan working in Social Security Disability, uh, SSDI plus SSI, it's a complicated subject. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the questions I wanted to ask you, Dan, is do you actually get involved with somebody initially who wants to apply for SSDI, or do you typically see people who have already applied and maybe been denied, and then you handle an appeal, for example?
1: We have become involved in... uh, both of those areas and it depends upon the individual or the, the claimant or the client. A lot of times I have counseled clients about applying for these benefits and I've suggested to them that for the most part the government through the SS, the Social Security program is mandated to help them obtain medical records look at the case and also proceed through two different types of lower administrative processes. One is the application stage and the other one is called the reconsideration. So if I can give an example is that someone applies for the program and we'll just do it generally. The Social Security Administration, or if I can say it this way, the government looks at this asks questions, tries to get information from the claimant about the doctors, about the problems, why a person can't work, if the person is eligible, and then develops the case. For the most part, percentage-wise, an applicant is denied. Then the person who is denied has 60 days from which they receive the notice to request what's called the reconsideration. then the reconsideration process goes through if the person does request that and tries to get more information. The government may send the person to a doctor or a couple doctors depending upon the type of problems that they say or the impairments. After that process is done, then the government will review it and make a decision whether to uphold the denial or to reverse it and say, okay, Thankfully you win. Again, percentage wise, the government is very conservative and most, most people get denied. You're not supposed to give up. And that's a lot of times where people either do give up or hopefully they call someone like myself who practices in this area or other attorneys or other people who are specialized in, in going before the Social Security Review Board to represent them at the next stage. And that stage is before an administrative law judge. And that's generally where and when I get involved. Okay. I have get gotten involved for my clients who have been unable or did not want to proceed themselves at the earlier stages and we have been successful at the reconsideration stage. Okay. The one thing I tell people, and and I am proud to say it this way, is that, you know, if you can do certain things yourself or have other people do it for you, like your family members, and you can be successful, especially at these two stages, because a lot of it is just reviewing records, and hopefully, talking to your doctors who are treating you and have them be on your side and explain to the government what the heck's going on with you. Mm -hmm. Because if they can explain the problems that you have, the impairments, and the limitations and the restrictions you have on your daily living activities and why you can't work on a regular and consistent basis, then the government will make its own decision. And rather than paying me for something that perhaps you could do on your own at these two stages, you could do it yourself. So you save money. And that's a good thing.
2: What, what Dan is saying is that, and we had this conversation actually before we did the radio show today, um, he's not looking to take every single case that wants to come in the door. If somebody can do certain things on their own and take it to the first couple of stages and be successful, you know, go for it and do it. If they need his help, he's there. He tends to get more involved in the appeal level when somebody's been denied, mm-hmm. and I guess it's the natural... Uh, position of the government to try to de- deny claims more than to approve claims so I, I think that's a remarkable it ethical is. approach you bet. to representing people and I, I appreciate hearing that and um, thank you I, I want to mention to you Dan that you know Phil and I have talked over the last couple of weeks about future shows and I mentioned a couple of times on the air in, in the past few weeks that we were going to have someone I didn't mention your name at that point, Uh, who would be talking about social security disability. And what I want you to know is merely just mentioning that fact, I've had people call my office Mm -hmm. and ask for who is that attorney and could they get a referral, and we've actually done that and referred several people to Dan. It's needed. So it's a needed subject. It's a needed topic. Um, A lot of people have questions and don't know how to proceed. And if they do want to reach uh, Dan, they can call his office We're here with Attorney Dan DiNardis, who's a, I'll use the word specialist rather than expert. I I consider you an expert, but we'll call you a specialist uh, in the area of Social Security Disability. And you can reach Attorney Dan DiNardis at his office at Mm 508-991-3355. And we've got a lot to talk about still, and this little short hour that we have is going to go by very quickly. Let's just talk about basic eligibility for one minute for Social Security Disability. In order to get SSDI, disability insurance, you have to have worked. You have to have put in Social Security credits. I was looking at the rules for that in preparation for being able to ask you some appropriate questions, Dan, and they're really complicated. Um, It's a little bit like accumulating credits for Social Security retirement, but they're more strict from what I can see. You have to have worked so many credits each year, uh, if you worked after 1950, all the way up until age 62. And if you have a break in those years, you might not qualify for SSDI. Um, Those rules are fairly complicated, and I don't think that I want to go into them in real detail now because uh, we would probably bog down in some of the technicalities. Mm -hmm. And... um, When we come back in just a couple minutes, I want to talk about uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act and the fact that you can't discriminate against people who have disability. And we'll go into a few things like that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're we're sorry that um, my son Peter can't be with us here today, but he'll rejoin us again next week. Mm -hmm. And if you'd like to reach Peter or me regarding retirement planning and how to protect money and how to protect your family – Please give us a call at 508-998-8858, and we'll be back again in just a couple of minutes right after the break.
1: A lot of the times, uh, the ADA doesn't really come into play with Social Security disability. Mm-hmm. And they have to be, you know, people have to be treated equally. But the regulations
2: really separate mm-hmm. that. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back, Phil. Thank you. And we're here with Attorney Dan DiNartis this morning talking about Social Security Disability. Um, and uh, my name is Ray Lance. I'm happy to talk with you on the radio every Sunday morning. We're talking very quickly and briefly about the American with Disabilities Act, or ADA. Um, that really doesn't figure into Social Security disability by itself, but it has become a very important act, hasn't it? Yes, it has. I've served on some boards where there are swimming pools in an organization, and you have to have all kinds of facilities. Um, some of the timeshare uh, corporations, for example, now have to have lifts where they can have somebody from a wheelchair, put them down inside the pool – I suppose it's also true that somebody who has disabilities where they might be able to benefit from some of those regulations might also be somebody who's receiving SSDI.
1: That, that's correct. And when you raise the issue about accessibility, if I may, um, one of the items in my background that I'm proud to say is that um, I work for the Easter Seals Society is one of my first jobs out of college. And I was... Um, Instructed to go out and try to um, Get more information about making things barrier-free and that was right. when back in the 70s with the um, 504 Act which was more of a um, Barrier-free environment issue and that was through the Easter Sill Society if everybody remembers the, the stick stick man mm-hmm. or stick person Sure. Well before that came about It's my understanding is that the Easter Sills was laying the grassroots to try to get the barrier-free environment, the, the extra wide handicapped parking spaces and everything like that. And through part of what I did was I was able to get information uh, from my area where I grew up of, of disabled and and people and, and people who have impairments and, and get that information about impairments and, and, and what was needed. For example, you know, if you're blind, do you really need a light switch? No, but the light switch where where it is located, how how far or high off the ground is there for people for for let's say a blind person to put the light on for someone else.
2: Sure. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and and there's things practical stuff like that um, that I was able to try to put together and one of the items that I, I was able to do Um, My local community was involved in getting a lot of government funds to to redo a downtown area. And one of the items was the parking. And what I was able to do was get people who I was in contact with, my clients, so to speak, and want to go to a public hearing. Well, the public hearing for people in wheelchairs wasn't accessible to them because it was held on the second floor of a building and there was no elevator. So, what I did in, in my younger days was I got my workforce together and we put asked that the, the, the meeting be held in a different area because we gave the government notice that we wanted to attend. Mm-hmm. So, they took care of that because they needed to take care of it because why? Because when you had government monies coming in, you had to treat everybody equal and the contractor who was involved in this thing and I sat down and we talked about, you know, what was needed and it's interesting because the gentleman who was also their contact person, you know, had a sister who had spina bifida and that is a very debilitating illness. And he understood with some compassion about what I wanted to do and why and so we got the extra-wide parking spaces, we got enough, and I was able to do something for people who needed a little bit of help, and maybe that's also laid the foundation for me as to why I wanted to go to law school, and essentially also started the foundation of why I like practicing social security disability law.
2: Well, I think it's certainly fair to say, uh, Phil, that uh, Attorney Dan Donardis has a long history of helping people. Yes. Helping people with uh, disability issues, Mm -hmm. handicap accessibility issues, and right now specializing in Social Security disability and personal injury. Um, So we, we know to get SSDI, you have to have worked, you have to have built up Social Security credits and so forth. What if somebody is very young and becomes disabled? Let's say they're in a car accident. Could they also be potentially eligible? even if they don't have enough uh, quarters, so to speak?
1: Yes. uh, The regulations allow that, again, financially speaking, depending upon SSI eligibility or SSDI eligibility. The regulations are, are very complicated about that because they combine a whole lot of different items together and it's a lot easier for an individual who may be eligible or would like to see if they're eligible because of those unfortunate circumstances to contact the local office or to make the phone call or to use the the website if you're able to to get on a computer and ask that because that the people who are there at the local office could could they are quite familiar with the eligibility requirements and perhaps could help set something up for that particular person To make them eligible and that's a good thing to use people who are there who want to help and who are instructed to try to look at the regulations and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that they're that they're going to be overly helpful or bend over backwards but from when I've called and what I've had my clients go down there I've been quite satisfied with the way especially the local offices treated me and even out of the Boston and Providence ODAR offices, which is where the hearings are taking place. So I'm very satisfied with our system, and I think we're very fortunate in our country to have that.
2: We are. You know, ladies and gentlemen, and Phil, if you're listening today to Attorney Dan DiNardis talking about Social Security disability, what ought to be coming through your microphone as it's coming through here in the studio is the fact that Attorney Dan DiNardis is a man who's speaking with, conviction and with passion he's really very interested in this subject you betcha and um we know that um if a disability is basically something that's going to last for what a year or longer a medical condition a physical condition i guess it could be a mental condition too couldn't it
1: yes or it can be uh, both or a little bit of both
2: and i and i can understand why the government needs to make it a a tough process because they don't want everybody applying for disability just because they don't want to work, for example. I know some of the things that can qualify somebody for disability if they have diseases of the heart or the lung or severe arthritis or mental illness or brain damage, somebody who might have been injured. um, Cancer even, I guess, could qualify, couldn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: Or somebody has lost a leg. um, You know, I think about the poor people that lost limbs in the Boston Marathon uh, terrorist attack and things like that, those people would generally qualify for Social Security disability. So it has to be a disability that's typically expected to last for at least a year and possibly longer. Is there any requirement that they simply be unable to work or um, if they're able to do other kinds of work, could they still qualify for disability or not?
1: That- has to be the yes and no answer Okay. and the reason why I say it this way is because you have a lot of factors that go into the review and decision-making process regarding the applicant. The person's age, the person's experience, the person's education, the impairments, the effect on the impairments, all that comes into play and by using the regulations and the rulings and all kinds of other legal stuff that the judge and the doctors or even the medical expert and i like to mention something about those two items afterwards have to review mm-hmm. and that's where we who are the advocates for the claimant have to try to put that person who's applying for these benefits in a in a light that both the judge as well as any particular professional expert that the judge asked to attend a hearing you know can see and what this person has gone through and why this person can't work on a regular and consistent basis and the older certainly age the older person is and the let's say the more heavy your job is if you do get injured or you did get, you you do get a severe impairment and that's the the quote that the government uses then most likely, or more than likely, you're going to be more eligible for the benefits than someone who is in prime working age. Let's say about 22 years of age. Mm-hmm. Let's call it that. You also have to look at when you're looking at things. Um, there are times when your disability or your impairment, if I may, or your problem, to, to use just a simple generic term, um, could be so severe that the government has these little blocks and if your problem fits nicely in that block, you win your case. And that's how you try to put your client, at least from my perspective, in that block if you can. If not, then the process has to go through more scrutiny to determine, well, what other jobs or what kind of jobs did the person do? What other jobs could the person do on a regular and consistent basis? And you have to take a look at what the person does or could do or tries to do or can't do anymore. All that stuff during a person's day. And that's why they call it daily living activities as part of the the scrutiny or the review process.
2: Let's say somebody had lost... uh... This is a hypothetical, and maybe you haven't seen this example, so if so, I apologize. But let's say somebody had lost uh, their legs and they were in a wheelchair, um, but they could still do computer work, and maybe that was their profession. Would they qualify for Social Security disability, or could they still continue to do their work in a wheelchair, and then maybe they wouldn't qualify for disability?
1: It's an interesting yes, again, yes okay. no answer, because <laughs> the you know perhaps by just the fact that they – they lost both of their limbs. Right. Okay. May make them eligible for benefits. However, that person and, and there are quite a few people as as you know, okay, who are that way who are working full time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, you know, God willing and God bless those individuals for that strength and the courage. But the government also allows in case something like that happens, let's say that in addition to that, there are some emotional issues about what that person is going through because of the loss of the sure. limbs. And that person is so affected that that person can't get through a regular day in, in a satisfactory way. Okay. Then that person certainly, even though with the the ability to, to work on a computer, may still be eligible.
2: All right. That's a good answer. Um if somebody goes on Social Security disability, is there a, a review in the future about whether they should continue to stay on Social Security disability?
1: The reg- Yes, the regulations do have situations in there where there is a periodic review. And a lot of times I've been in, in cases where I have won a case and I have position my case in a, in a favorable way by saying to the judge your honor you know my client is young was working before had to go through a whole lot of physical and emotional issues to get to this point and what this person is looking to do is, is to get back on track for a while and he or she needs the help from the government
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that you know he's willing or she's willing to have this reviewed in, in in 2 or 3 or 4 years. And you know the judge looks at me and you know and looks at my client and we're looking at each other in our eyes and I think he could see the sincerity of my client wanting to to try to go back to work. Okay. And especially to say on a case that's on a cusp that could go 50-50. Mm-hmm. And so the judge says and I think in a way saying okay you know, a favorable decision and we'll review this thing. And I think by positioning something to a a person who is a decision maker, the judge, in a way that that shows, you know, your client the best foot forward of wanting to go back to work if that person could, of showing how hard that person worked throughout his or her life previously. And also, you know, once the person gets the impairment or the problems, how that person acted or reacted, because a lot of times people continue to work until they can't do it anymore. Mm, And and you can see the digression where the work product is reduced, the work time is, is reduced, the absences or the doctor's appointments are increased, and you see how things are building up. And that's where perhaps when is the onset date? occur or the onset of the disability date. These are all factors that go into the, the the judicial decision-making process and are factors that are in the regulations about when is a person last and short, mm-hmm. going back to what you said about working, okay? A person has to work five out of the last 10 years, 10 out of the last uh, 40 quarters, mm-hmm. there so 20 out of the last 40 quarters. There are important things that you need to to look at.
2: So there's some real technical requirements for That's qualifying. That's right. That's right. In the first and, place.
1: And, and you know, again, going back to the financial eligibility, if a person you know has a million dollars and hasn't worked at all and wants to try to apply for SSI because they're not eligible for disability insurance, I don't really think they're eligible because, because they have assets. all the money. Because of the right? assets, right? Right.
2: Could, so, could somebody get um, both Social Security disability if they meet the requirements and also receive SSI?
1: Yes, you can do that. But, again, you have to be you know, financially you eligible for that. You have to meet the
2: asset test. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Okay. okay. You know, in, in my office, Phil, um, my wife does a lot of work in the area of Medicaid for somebody who goes into a nursing home. And, mm-hmm. and I do a lot of work with Peter in the area of Social Security and what's the best timing for taking Social Security But we purposely have not been involved in Social Security Disability or SSI because that's an entirely specialized area, and that's why we're thrilled to have uh, Attorney Dan DiNardis with us. You bet. Dan, what's your phone number again if somebody wants to reach you? Because I'm sure some people will have questions who would like to maybe call your office.
1: Thank you. 508-991-3355.
2: And I want to ask you one quick thing about um, SSI also. And I have a hard time even thinking of what the name of that stands for. It's Supplemental Security Security. Income. That's correct. And SSI can be, in addition to SSDI, disability income, but then I guess some states will add additional benefits to the federal SSI also. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Again, there are certain states that allow to do certain things, Massachusetts is one of them. And that that's a, a good thing. And, again, you know, the, because of the regulations, because of the way the states act, and you have to go back to, you know, states' rights, or the state wants to get involved in something or the state doesn't want to get involved in something like that, this is all very complicated. And, and if someone is interested in applying for benefits, then they need and they should go down to their local office and, and seek their help because that, I believe, is why they're there. Mm-hmm. You know, we pay our taxes for these people to be there and to help people out. And right. you would hope and expect, and I do think, as I said before, that they do a good job helping people out. And you go down there with a good attitude asking for help, and most times people say, yes, I'll try to help you and work through this.
2: And one of the things I do know from having done some work in the past uh, is that if somebody does get SSI, they might also be eligible for receiving free health coverage under the Medicaid program. So I know this sounds a little complicated, but you could be receiving SSDI if you had a legitimate long-term you know, debilitating kind of injury. You could also get SSI, which is the supplemental income, but that in turn might trigger you to be eligible to receive Medicaid benefits for health care, as it would uh, probably in Massachusetts.
1: Again, like you just said, how complicated it is. <laughs> so that's the reason why you know you go down to the people who do this professionally and counsel these people on a on a daily basis on those benefits. A lot again in my area of practice, I get in, I usually represent people who are applying for the disability insurance or the SSI benefits because they've got hurt or sick or injured. The extent that they can't work anymore, mm-hmm. and that's,
0: that's the most common reason. That's, that's correct. People will contact you.
1: That is absolutely okay. correct, sir.
2: Do you do you ever have people who simply contact your office and say, "Do you have a handout sheet, or can you refer me to a government website for more information?" Do you ever have people who are simply looking for some basic information to get started?
1: Yes, we do th- do that, and sometimes I'll have one of my paralegals. Um, give some information. Certainly, you have a website. You have a phone number, um, a website for people who have knowledge of a computer and have access to it. The website is www.socialsecurity, which is one word gov.
2: Okay, and how about your website?
1: My website is P and D Law PC.
2: P and D Law PC is N spelled out? Is it P um, ampersand yes. No, it's P A, a- N D C which stands for Terra and Denardis, yeah. PC. Yeah. dot PC.com?
1: Yes, Good. and there is a phone number for an 800 number that if individuals who want to call the Social Security uh, Administration, that number is 1-800-772-1213. Again, one 800 772
2: one two, one three. You know, I, I have to say, Dan, that I've been looking forward to this hour to spend with you for some time, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Over the years, um, it's it's been my privilege to refer a number of cases to Dan uh, for Social Security disability, and we're always thrilled when we can do it. We have that question to come up in the office periodically, and. I know that I'm going to be handing them over to the best person in the area who can handle it. So Absolutely. We're, we're thrilled to do that.
1: Well, th- thank you for the compliment.
2: Sure. And we never asked anything in return except a simple thank you. That's all. We're, we're happy to help people, as, as you are. Um, it, your business must be um, very gratifying, I would think, to know that you're able to help people who really have a need.
1: Yes. Uh, I, this area of the practice, um, for me... Um, helping people out, um, you know, from, from a business standpoint, you know, we're we're in it certainly to to make money, earn a profit. You know, we get a fee. If we don't win, we don't get paid because that's the way the the federal government contingency fee process is. But aside from that, you know, helping someone you know, get their benefits, you know, and sometimes I could kid around with with my clients, saying trying to beat the government. But it's not necessarily a, a battle or a game. Um, it's, it's trying to position, you know, what's happened to someone, mm-hmm. who someone is, in a way that the judge, when they're looking at this thing, could say, okay, I understand why this person can't work on a regular, consistent basis.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, we're, we've just been um, so excited, I have been, to have um, Attorney Dan DiNartis with us this morning. Absolutely. Um, he's a, a specialist and expert in the area of Social Security Disability. He does personal injury law as well. His wife does uh, family law planning, Attorney uh, Ann Terra and they're at 10 Park Place in New Bedford, which is the little street that runs right adjacent to the Registry of Deeds. If you would like to reach him for further information... Please give him a call at 508-991-3355. And a great big thank you, Dan, for joining us and giving us this information this morning.
1: Gentlemen, thank you, and uh, have a good Sunday. What a
2: pleasure. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we look forward to having Peter rejoin us next week on Money Wise with the Money Guys. And please, if you have any questions about retirement planning, asset protection, protecting your family, Give us a call at 508-998-8858.
0: And, Phil, you have a great week. Thank you so much, Ray. It's always a pleasure being in your company. This show helps so many people. And, ladies and gentlemen, not only thank you for tuning in, but also we wish you all the very best this coming week from the Money Wise Radio Show.
1: Thank you.